Hello all and welcome to edition 113 of the On The Ball Norwich City podcast. I'm Michael Bailey, I cover the Canaries for The Athletic and I hope this finds you all safe and well. We'll talk through the home draw with West Bromwich Albion, the chaos of beating Bristol City and a big October that begins on the other side of the international break. We will work through all that and more with our guests this evening. They are Norwich number one chief at NCFC numbers, also known as our very own Steve Sanders. Hello, Michael. And I'm delighted to say we're also joined tonight by Canary Cast podcast pundit, Jacob Robinson. Hello, how are you? We're good. Thank you very much, Jacob. How are you this fine evening? Yeah, well, Norwich, uh, Norwich are plugging along nicely. I think it's. Uh, I'm glad to be asked on because it's, uh, it's an interesting point. There's so many discussions at the moment of atmosphere. Are we actually playing well? Dean Smith and maybe even a little bit of Daniel Farker as well. <laughs> oh, wow. Gosh. Are we allowed to still mention? Yeah, I think we are still allowed to talk about Daniel, so that's fine. Lovely to have you on, uh, Jacob. It has been far too long. Uh, Steve, how are you? I'm very well. I think Jacob's just sort of covered everything. J- Jacob's just written the agenda for the whole show, which is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you, you needn't have bothered, Michael. We literally could have just carried on then. Go on, <laughs> let's talk about it yeah. all. I, no one really cares about how I'm doing anyway. I think maybe maybe we just maybe just crack on. How are you, though? How are you? I mean, you've you since Me? we were last on... You, yeah. Me? You. Oh, um, right, yeah. Since you were last on, I believe you've done quite a long run, haven't you? Oh, yes. God. Well, I think we can all appreciate how uh, weird it's been the last few uh, sort of the last week, 10 days or whichever. Uh, and it's all seemed to have blurred into one. I've no, no yeah. idea which day anything is. Yes, that was only the other weekend, wasn't it? I ran the Great North Run, which was awesome. Thank you very much. I ran it in under two hours, which was a delight for a man of my age thank you um it was uh it was quite uh it was it was brilliant being part of a of a football writers team with the like well my athletic colleagues like uh rob tanner who covers leicester and uh laura williamson who's an amazing sub editor and, and news editor and, and like boss um and also then we had matt dickinson and matt lawton and henry winter off of all the national papers you know like proper elite journalists and then there was me shrugging on not done any proper training um but we did it for the bobby robson foundation which is wonderful to run the north run the great north run for that cause and uh, we all had our own shirts and i had bailey 10 written on the back um, oh, I what did... was the 10 in aid of well it? we were just given we were just given squad numbers uh, oh. so you know because we were kind of a football team a team of football writers so you know that was the idea so i kind of joked that i was just going to run around in circles and, and not do a lot like a true number 10 but um i was much more straight pace than that but it was brilliant loads of crowds out it was great that it happened uh, because i i had cancelled all of my plans uh, assuming that it was going to get cancelled <laughs> um or postponed but i think it was fitting that a race that makes 25 million quid plus for, for charity still get there, got, um, got the go ahead. So, um, yeah. And, and my hips and knees only ached for another three days. Pretty Fantastic. much. I would, I would uh, imagine that athletic writers are quite well equipped for that kind of endurance test, just because of the length of the articles that you all have to write <laughs> on a regular basis. Right. So <laughs> it's true. What is, what is, is harder translate- running? what's harder running 13 miles or writing 5,000 words I, I don't know I mean one takes a lot less time but it's probably more <laughs> in more initially painful so there we go 
Um, but yeah, we, we, all, we all got through it and it was a, a brilliant occasion. And, and then I was actually limber enough to play golf in the uh, Dean Ashland and Brian Gunn Golf Day for the Community Sports Foundation as well, which raised loads of money on Thursday. You're uh, just showing so off now, aren't you? Just I just had a, you know, a lovely week of, of, of enjoying life, which uh, I think is all we could all, all ask for. So that was grand. So well, um, and I hope, that, I hope that did the trick for the Community Sports Foundation as well. Yeah. So in, in answer to your question, Steve, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. It's a good that job no one cares about how I am because that was the longest answer to a how are you question. But it <laughs> oh. was worth an answer because you have actually done something worth talking about. I've actually done, yeah, may, may, maybe just about. Well, in that case, I reckon that's quite enough and we should probably crack on with some football chat, shouldn't we? So let's, uh, let's wheel out a bit of headline act, shall we? Well, after the short notice postponement of Norwich's trip to Burnley following the death of the late Queen Elizabeth II, Norwich returned to action at Carrow Road. They took four points from two games. They scored four goals. Norwich sits second in the championship. And yet I get the sense a lot of people aren't really and haven't really enjoyed it, which, of course, does leave the question, why? I have written a piece on The Athletic, of course, because that's my job, um, which I think doesn't really... It uh, doesn't really come to any conclusion, but conclusions, um, but does maybe or, or actually un- offer any solutions. But it does uh, it does sort of maybe explain some of the reasoning why um, possibly. And there, there's some things I didn't include as well. Maybe we'll talk about those. I don't know. But but Steve, uh, how are you viewing it? What, what's what's going on? Are you you're a, you're a paying customer? Are you enjoying it? I am a paying customer. Yeah, I mean, the West Brom is kind of like the great north run was a bit of an endurance test wasn't it i think by the end um i don't know what to feel really i sort of think (laughs) on if you're here for solutions or conclusions you're not getting any from me either um i did I, i sort of feel like uh booing the people who booed at the final whistle on saturday that i mean you know people are entitled to do it as we always say you know it's kind of obligatory i sort of felt like that was a little bit over the top because ultimately we have taken 19 points from a possible 21 i mean we are literally one of the form teams in the entire country right now and we do sit second um i can relate though completely to that feeling of of slight emptiness um slight flatness um i have a number of my own theories as to why that might be. Um, I think the fact that we've not played actually well for an entire 90 minutes yet that I can remember um, the the whole season Um, and the fact that we've played really poor teams so far. I mean, there's no kind of getting around it. We've played um, six of the current bottom eight um, in our first 10 games and two of the others we've played a promoted team. So we haven't had a test yet. And I think there's a level of expectation there um, that we haven't previously had. Um, I, so, I, I mean, I'm kind of torn. I do think some of the criticism of Dean Smith football is slightly unfair. Um, I've seen people comparing it to Chris Hutton, which <laughs> if people were there, it's surely, surely not as bad as that ever was. Um, and people saying he hasn't got a plan. I, I, I'm not sure I agree with that either. I just think it's not quite as defined as, as what we had under Daniel Farker. But um there is something missing. Um, I think, uh, you know, we're going to talk about October coming up and there'll be some much bigger games in October. Um, I, that feels like the tipping point. It's sort of sink or swim time, really, then, I would have thought. It's, it's certainly not as dogmatic a style of play. I think that's one way I would put, a bit, uh, mm. put it. Um, Jacob, you? 
Yeah, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? I think Steve's kind of just summed it up perfectly um, <clears throat> on some of the comments on, on your kind of, uh, when you tweet it as well, Michael, your article and on the comments on the article, it's fascinating, isn't it? The, the amount of people that are kind of making very interesting points. Is it the, the fact that we've been in the Premier League, so we kind of know what the reward is for winning games? The reward really isn't that great. It's the it's the actually keep going back to who you know is going to treat you badly, and it's uh, and you just you just know that yeah, it's probably are we maybe wearing thin of of, of the rewards of going up to that that league because I think you've said it before, I've said it myself a lot that just the chasm between the Premier League and Championship is it's it's getting ridiculous actually. Just even comparing like uh, from 14th down to the 20th, it's compared to the top six of the Championship at the minute that. It's really does. I've not. I can't remember it being a bigger kind of gap, really. And do Norwich have the ceiling of just being, you know, nineteenth at best, maybe? And that's a push in the Premier League at the moment. So yeah, I think it's that. I think it's the case of we had such an affection and and thought process with Daniel Farker. Like it was his whole uh, aim when he came in was right. Let's build this club back up together. For me personally, I, I don't want to kind of target Dean Smith as he's got enough coach. I think he's probably better in terms of being able to keep you up in the league, but it feels more like a job to him. It, I don't, I don't feel that connection with him. I don't know if he's he's warmed himself to to, to the club as much as he would Villa. Obviously, that's completely different for him and his kind of boyhood club. I, I just feel like at the minute, it feels like that that Neil Adams season where where it was we were flying high, but it just felt like. You know, we, I'm fascinated to see a Luton away. I'm fascinated to see what we would have done against the Burnley because I feel like we're only two or three results away from fans starting to, well, obviously, like you say, Steve, there was booing <laughs> a 1-1 draw after six wins from seven. I, I feel like those kind of games where you can have those stodgy performances, um, I feel like fans are starting to get, they're, they're, they're ready to go. They're, they're, not, they're not fully behind Smith, I, I still don't think. That was, I have to say that, you know, we talk about atmosphere being flat and maybe like the general background chatter that we got against Bristol City. And and then the sort of, um, you know, we want to be entertained, thank you, which I don't know if anyone, well, I never remember going to football to be entertained. It was much Mm. more of an involved process than that. But but it was, as Jacob's kind of said, the, 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 the right... It feels like the supporters, are, a lot of them are, are wound up like a coiled spring, ready to go as soon as it looks. I mean, we had people, you know, a few saying Dino sort it out, um, which I know where things aren't going well. But again, it's just a, there's no, if there's a few misplaced passes or Norwich look like they need something to lift them, they don't, they're not going to get it from the crowd, are they? They're going to just get, boo, what are you doing? Come on. I mean, that was what it was against a West Bromwich Albion side who, are far better, far, far better. I mean, I don't know how they've only won one game this season because they mm. seem to have quite a bit about, about them. And I suppose that's the thing, which again is, you know, I've written the piece. You guys have said most of, you know, similar kind of thoughts about 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 why, but it's it's almost, I still think, the, the, the biggest hangover isn't from the players on the pitch or confidence. It's in the it's in the arena of of the of the of the club. There's you look at it. I don't feel everyone's pulling in the same direction, and that that is possibly why there is there is no partly why there's no connection in that in that way. Yeah, I think um, I think you know, Jacob's kind of already pointed to this really, but it, it because it, it following Farker was never going to be easy, right? For for whoever had to do it. Um, and I give Dean Smith a complete pass. I've said this a few times. I give Dean Smith a complete pass on last season. I don't think anybody could have kept us up. So, you know, not, not relevant for me. Um, but 
it, it's almost like, you know, um, if you've seen Breaking Bad, where like you've got the, you know, when uh, Walt creates the the blue meth. And then they take it off the streets again, and then suddenly they've they've got to go back to the to the meth that they originally had, which is like not as pure, and uh, you don't get the same kick out of it. That's what <laughs> Dean Smith's football is. Dean Smith's football is the is the second rate, uh, you know, skanky meth. That's <laughs> because gosh. because you kind of put that in not, your tweet, Steve. Put yeah. that in your tweet, and I please. mean that in the nicest way possible. It's just you, you know we're waiting to experience that high, and we're never going to get that high again because that you know certainly eighteen nineteen was the most incredible season that you just cannot recreate. It's never going to get that good because we were so entertained. It was so fantastic to watch, and yet and we won the division at a canter as well. Um, and I think throwing the facts as well. The other thing I think is, and again Jacob alluded to this. It doesn't feel like he's ours. It still feels like, you know, to go back to that harking, you know, it, it feels like it, Dean Smith's broken up on a long-term marriage. He's kind of on the rebound, you know. He'll always be Villas, whereas the managers who we've had success with, Farker being one, uh, Neil, Alec Neil, um, Paul Lambert, when the when the times really were feel-good times, um, they'd never had any kind of previous relationships, if you like, that Norwich fans, Norwich City fans could relate to. Whereas, um, obviously, Smith had Villa, Chris Hutton even, you know, obviously the style of football wasn't great there either. But I do think that kind of plays into it as well. The others felt like they were Norwich City. Dean Smith just doesn't really feel like he's Norwich City. That's a really interesting point. I must I must say, from a style, from a style point of view, um, there, there is something a bit more pragmatic about it. But um, it's not so far removed from, from what it is before. I find a lot of that, a complaint's quite a subjective, you know, maybe um, uh, way of the of of directing other frustrations in terms of style of play because I think it is quite possession based. It, it's a bit slow and ponderous at times, and also I think if you took Amy Buendia out of Daniel Farker's time uh, team a lot of the time, they looked a bit slow and stodgy and, and went down, you know, dead ends quite a lot, and it. That you know Norwich having to do it without him entirely, and I, I don't think this team is as good as that team uh, either. So I think there's all of those elements, and there was a sort of an element of naivety really about the 2018-19 experience from everyone. Just what will this be? Let's dream. Let's screw the consequences. We're just dreaming about what happened, and that dream extended into the start of the Premier League season as well. It was the you know those first five six games were were magical. You know, I maintain it. In fact, Norwich actually led a lot of games that season and then screwed it up, which is better than last season where they were just rubbish. So there's, there's all sorts of elements you can, you know, rewrite it, whichever. Um, and I think it's probably just the sizable difference in their con- in their in their uh, in their um, characters as well from Daniel Farker and and Dean Smith. I'd, you know, a lot of the charisma that Daniel had in terms of leading the group, you know, Dean Smith doesn't want. He doesn't want to be that. He wants the players. D- D- Paul, Paul Lambert always went on, went on about it, just about the fans and the players, and he managed to sort of just pass it over to that. Um, and I guess maybe in some regard, we haven't quite got to the point where the players and the supporters have, have fostered enough relationships so that Dean Smith's relationship is doesn't really matter. Um and I, I personally still feel like, um, and this wasn't something that went into the piece, but I do feel it's an issue. I, I just don't think there's been enough healing from last season in terms of everyone at the club. I think the, the leadership of the club, there's, it's very shut down in terms of what they're doing. There were no real efforts to repair what happened last year. No one above Dean Smith has spoken 
properly other than doing a in-house media that you know it, it does in itself kind of put up barriers because just of how it's projected um i feel like the club have decided that they want to communicate through the program and through um you know uh videos where they get questions and can answer it and it's it's communicating in a way that's just sort of putting it out to you and um maybe that will change maybe that will change but it just doesn't feel like anything's getting pulled along and maybe i would feel like that because i'm a journalist and you know i, I want to be part of of you know talking about the club in a positive way that brings things together as well as holding people to account um so maybe i'm being horribly subjective about the whole thing but i just think well mike sorry mike i was just going to say it does feel like just whilst you're on that point maybe it's just me it does feel like Stuart weber is still just here because of covid and and because of plans have changed again from the very top you almost go but he wasn't really supposed to still be here <laughs> he said it himself i'm gonna be you know when that contract ends i'm going to look at you know maybe outside of football or abroad and and you do feel like that his passion for Norwich City isn't really the reason he's here. It's more plans have just had to change because life's changed. And maybe that's just a me. I, I don't know. I don't think that's the reason why, you know, the, the Cow Road atmosphere has changed. But I do feel like from the very top, you have someone there who, yeah, he's not as, it always changes, you know, when you first come into a club and when you've been here for a time. Don't feel like he's the same. He's not going to be the same, but... Don't back him as much or feel like the, the passion as much from him from when he first came in to what he is now. And maybe that is because of the communication is less. Well, I mean, if I ever, oh, if I, uh, well, it's very echoey in the background. If I ever got to, uh, if I ever got to speak to Stuart Weber again, then I'm sure he would come forwards and, and you know, <laughs> but say that it's not about the passion. You should it's ask him. It is about the passion. You know, I, he really wants to do the job. Of course he wants to do the job and that's absolutely right. But it, lots of things probably do funnel into the same thing that's coming out with Dean Smith, maybe that everyone's there as a job and, you know, they want to just do their job and they want to progress the club and it's all great motives, but that level of maybe passion and pull that people were, were, were fueled by is not there. And so everyone's just doing everything out of routine, hoping that, you know, Oh, great. But I don't know, maybe we're overthinking it as well. Well, and I think fundamentally, and you guys have both said it really, but it, it's, it's that being stung. Like we, we, we know what happens when we go up to the Premier League and, you know, if think of it as a sort of oscillating graph, you know, the first time we went up, we were brilliant and then we had a terrible season. And then the second time we went up, we weren't quite as good and we were probably even worse the following season. And now the third time, if we go up this time, you probably say, well, we might be worse than we were second time. Um, you kind of think, well, if that pattern follows, <laughs> how bad can we possibly be? Then we're going to stay up. We're so where stay does this up. end? Maybe, although maybe this just continues and we get Tony Pulis in in, in 15 <laughs> years' time. We finish sixth and we go down with uh, nine points to following you. Do you know what I mean? Like Maybe this continues forever and ever and ever. And I think that's the thing. It's like, wh- what point does this cycle end does it end with us as you say staying up and being successful or do we need that season where we kind of finish mid-table championship and we need that kind of pain to appreciate the good times again see that's a really interesting point because i actually think now the one thing i've learned is that the championship is irrelevant to what you then do in the premier league so Mm -hmm. actually dean smith does he know what it takes to keep a team up probably yes because he could quite clearly see how far they were off in the standards from 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 what they needed to be last year um would they actually maybe get their recruitment better would they bring in five or six players that would improve the 11 well possibly because the 11 is probably not as good as the last two so actually and and then you throw in the fact that they've just um they've just added a 
very rich man to the board of directors well, who's clearly it. just here so that everyone learns stuff and doesn't really <laughs> want to get involved you know anymore obviously of course not although we might be buying other shares and who knows but you know uh, wherever that goes no one really knows but there is going to be that and what there probably would be then is some very interesting discussions going on i think if norwich did look at returning to the premier league and maybe maybe there is someone there who would um, you know put a little bit of extra money in so that norwich have another bit of whatever i'm not going to start saying figures but you know maybe there is a bit of money extra money for norwich to you know hopefully spend better and so yeah or well, before you know it you've broken the cycle you've you know you've won 10 games one nil and you've scraped 39 points and you stayed <laughs> up and everyone's then really happy aren't they because that's how it works yeah um, i mean to, to uh, the, i suppose the blueprint for this is fulham right who have who are now on their third attempt at trying to well not get relegated and uh, <laughs> making a pretty good fist of it at the, you know what, what so six, far seven games in so far. having lost arguably their two most creative players from last season in Carvalho and Wilson's been injured they've invested some money and they appear to have invested it quite well quite a lot of money um so it can be done I suppose for Norwich City fans we just need that evidence that it could be us but Fulham are the team to that we seem to be going up and down with so um you know maybe maybe it can be done you say quite a lot I think it was about 60 million maybe um so you know that, that is what like norwich that is well yeah it's a lot to us <laughs> uh, that is about what norwich spent last time only they obviously sold emmy buendia as well so maybe that's the balancing act but we shall see um i hadn't actually got anywhere on tonight to discuss mark atanasio it feels like i am uh, absolutely determined not to ever talk about him and the situation properly on this podcast um there is a huge long read that I have been working on since April on The Athletic. Uh, read it because there's there's loads of stuff in there. Um, it doesn't answer all the questions because literally there are no answers to some of the questions as yet. We'll see how uh, how things pan out. Um, so that's that's grand and worth a, a look. Uh, is, I mean, anyone? Anyone got? I mean, are we we're not live live tonight. So um, <laughs> Steve, Jacob, is there, is there anything that's sort of bugging you about? Or, or that you were curious about with Mark Atanasio? Maybe you can ask. ask well, I did, me I did or, read the article and I did kind of look at look through everything. And that's not me just saying I have actually read it. So, uh, and it was a, it was a great piece to be fair. So, yeah, anyone who hasn't hasn't uh, looked at it yet, please do. Um, I think I find what you were saying, Michael, is fascinating. Is it? I, in my mind, I, I look at it and go, this this will peak if the club uh, is the, in the Premier League by by the end of their play of the Championship. So I think that's when you start seeing moving kind of stones and all that sort of thing. When you know that that starts getting a little bit more interest. I mean, in the in the club interview, interview I've had it quite funny. Couldn't quite remember Dean Smith's name. So that might change when the Premier League is uh, is is more on the horizon. I think that will be a a really fascinating one. It it depends, doesn't it? I mean, what do you class as good owners? I think uh, he obviously knows FSG and and John Henry and all that with Liverpool, who aren't well known for spending money, but then don't really have money anyway so is it a case of Norwich just have a little bit more money if he, if he was to you know talking very a long way let down the line but you know eventually take over majority shareholder whatever let's dream why not um is that you know more money than what Delia and Michael will have well I mean 100% I don't think it's it's it, impossible to think he's can chuck he can chuck 10 million away quite happily can't he and say look that's my my pledge to you about real sweat um well 
you know, with Norwich, like you say, you have to sell Emi Buendia before you could even start moving ahead in the Premier League season, for example. So, yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I don't know. It's uh, I'm, I'm quite. It's it's more. It's one of those fascinating points, isn't it? I think you, you said either way. It's it's a new Norwich City, and that's just a fascinating point of view of what happens next, really. Yeah, I think that feels like the exciting thing at the moment is where can mm. that end up taking us? So I'm a bit worried if you can't remember how the the name Dean Smith though. <laughs> Not the most challenging name, but hey. Um I also enjoyed I, I, I like the fact that it took it was a very Norfolk way of getting the business done. Uh six months to get an eighteen percent share or something like that. It just feels like glacial pace. But I'm sure that that is just the speed that these things move at. Um I also have read the article, didn't understand a lot of it. Lots of things like dividends and shares and stuff like that, which tend to go way over my head. But it's it's exciting. Um and I, I think yeah, if if it I think what what I took from the article that I was most um, enthused about, I guess, was the fact that he kind of did it all on a budget with the Milwaukee Brewers and got them to the um, brink of the World Series, um, as you said, Michael, uh, which is the, well, it's the top prize in baseball, right? Yeah. Even though only American teams compete for it and it's called yeah. the World Series. It's quite an American thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I, that that to me is that's what I would want Norwich to be. And if we can be on the brink of winning the Champions League on a budget, then uh, I'd be be very happy happy with that. So uh, yeah, and also think Michael Folger deserves a lot of credit as he's the outgoing shareholder. Um, I think he, you know, you mentioned in your article, Michael, that he uh, was instrumental in bringing Grant Holt to the club. And for that alone, if that was the only thing he'd done in his time, then he should be thanked for that. Oh, I, I mean, I think there are huge amounts of fine things to be said about Michael mm, Forger, yes. because in terms of um, a lot of directors who and, and people who get involved at, at Carrow Road, there's normally some form of criticism or something that they've got wrong. The only criticism I've ever had of the board is whether they hold enough um, people to account, whether they are actually or whether they just go along with things and then they have to kind of sort them out because they haven't really done you know enough they put too much trust they're too good sometimes mm -hmm. but that can be that can be a benefit too but in terms of michael folger you know he got involved with the club when they desperately desperately needed the help um in the first place he then was able to help out when they really needed it, it again when he could and he's managed to um make himself available as opposed to make his shareholding available so that someone else could come in and hopefully do something a little bit different uh, as someone of of great means and someone with access to even greater means i think that's probably the biggest thing going forwards is maybe not even what mark atanasio's attitude is to everything but what delia and michael's attitude is to everything because if they are literally sitting there going oh we've got a nice american man who knows a lot about doing stuff we've got him involved he's given us a bit of money that we might have to give back in seven years but that's okay that's great um everything's fine i just don't see that that is how this all works from here <laughs> i don't think that's how this whole dynamic continues um but we will see and that's going to be part of the fascination uh, of it all um hurrah uh, there were some other bits i was going to talk about um but maybe we, we should hold it on for another day. You know, Tamer Pukki, he's still very good. I had a really good chat with him after the Bristol City game when he got his brace. Spoke to him about the summer when we know his agent was like, oh, we might ship him out of here because he deserves it. And actually, I thought Tamer was quite honest with me when he was speaking to it. He said, look, yeah, I was kind of hoping, thought I'd done enough. But, you know, no one came forward with anything that was going to make Norwich think about it, which is probably right because no one was going to offer, you know, 
a hundred million pounds, <laughs> um, which is probably what we're putting on him in terms of a promotion price on him, I guess. Um, and then we sort of wait and see, I suppose. Do do we think this is this is it? The last season of Tamer Pookie? I mean, he did mention trying to get to a hundred goals. Yeah, Steve, yeah, Steve I, 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 I would say so. I think, like you, like you're saying, I quite enjoyed the. Uh, yeah, I don't, don't really, don't really know what number of goals I'm on. Just let me know when I'm at a hundred. That was, uh, <laughs> that's quite a good, a good mentality to, to have. So I'm glad he's not going to be stuck too, uh, too long on that. I think um, off the top of my head, I talk about he, he's just he's a, such a quality player. Like his movement at this level, I, Josh Sargent, I think is a lot better central and as uh, I think defied, including myself, a lot of people who thought. Even this league might be a bit of a tricky start for him if he if he can't get himself going. But yeah, Timu's just I mean, the the movement's the best I've seen of a Norris striker in, in, in what I can remember. He he should be at a, a top level no matter what league or what country it's in. I'm surprised no one's taken a risk on him. But then like you say, Mike, with the money we wanted, his age, yeah, you can kind of get it why, you know, we might as well try and stay with him for one more season. I'd be very surprised if he if he'd stayed. I don't really still think he's that much for Dean Smith's striker, really, for the style of play. Um, but you, you you put him in any way, shape or form because he still guarantees you 20-plus goals. It's just fascinating to see Josh on the right because he doesn't look comfortable at all there. I think he's performing better than obviously what he did in the Prem because you can see the confidence is there a little bit, but the touch, the the the, the, the inclination, he's so desperate to always go inside, isn't he, and, and be near that, the kind of where Timo is, and it just kind of leaves you a little bit unbalanced and the whole squad probably in general is a little bit unbalanced at the minute, which could have a discussion point for another day. But yeah, I don't know how, how Dean Smith works that really because if you put those two close together, then can you have a... Marcelino Nunez in that midfield kind of holding being deeper and not being as proactive and kind of freelance as he is and, and all those sort of things um, a fascinating kind of point but I think you, you kind of sacrifice it all for Timu because for me that's still not a better striker at this level Yeah it's uh, it's unfortunate timing with Tammy Puki because we're talking about him after a game in which he uh, had 16 touches and completed three passes but nevertheless I think um, <laughs> Bristol City showed that um you you cannot play a high line against him at this at this level. You just can't like it's complete. You know that that was suicide on their part to do that so early on uh, in a game where they other otherwise played pretty well. Um, the second goal in particular, and I got a little deflection, but the the pass through to him from Ramsey wasn't perfect. Um, and yet he sort of turned it into a, a great ball with his first touch. Um, and that's oh, I'm just going to miss that so much when we don't get to see it anymore because he's just so good in that position. And I think. To answer the original question, I think if we don't go up, that will surely be this will surely be his last year. Um, I think it's whether we have him next year is probably dependent on promotion. So there's there's a reason if you if you didn't want to get promoted to the Premier League, um, then at least we get another year of Timu. You know that, that's something. I just love him, and I think um, I, I think it's really interesting because not many players. Not many players could have an interview like that where they say, you know what, I kind of felt like I deserved to stay in the Premier League and leave the club, but, you know, it just didn't happen and I'm not going to kick up a stink. And it shows how much respect he has in the Norwich supporters that most fans are probably like, yeah, mate, agree, it's fine. <laughs> we we understand it. So I, I think there's a lot of players who, you know, if they'd have come out and said that, they'd have got absolutely pummeled. But you know, Timu owes nothing really because of everything he's done. And, you know, the club's been very good to him, but he has been very good for Norwich. And uh, 
oh my god i'm gonna miss him when he's gone whatever it is so let's just hope it doesn't happen and just put it off um with the other thing um we know i tell you what um let's wrap that conversation up and move on to the things we are not going to talk about which i'm going to start off with this one which was of course gabriel sarah's first start uh, he had his first league start uh, against west brom um and you know we know he's very good at you know his i love his runs from deep i think they do cause real problems and he almost scored an out, absolutely outrageous goal he clipped the top of the bar uh, classic brazilian <laughs> uh, the problem was the rest of the game where <laughs> he kind of just looked completely off the pace and struggled to deal with the tempo of the game um which probably at this point steve's little bit worrying. I mean, I, th- I think I said in my video after the game that it's like, okay, well, let's see where we are maybe after Christmas and hopefully we'll be up to speed. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you never you never really know, do you, in terms of the play, how long it's going to take a player to acclimatise. Um, I, yeah, he wasn't good, was he? I mean, like that that one shot was, was decent, but other than that, he looked off the pace. I'm, I'm not really totally convinced by the Dean Smith... Um, you know, if you score or assist, then you're in the team. I mean, I think Sarah probably did deserve a chance, actually. Um, but I also think that game, the way it played out, was absolutely made for Todd Cantwell, and we just didn't see him until the end of it, uh, you know, operating in tight spaces and trying to make things happen. Um, yeah, Sarah didn't really convince in that position. I think he'll get another chance, but I don't really think he necessarily deserved to be in the team. Well, maybe, And I'm not saying this was what he was picked, but, you know, the fact that he happened to put a corner in that Sargent headed in against Bristol City, does that then make him more kind of valid for a start on Saturday? I sort of think you pick a team based on the best 11 you think is going to beat West Brom. It's a great point. I mean, from speaking to D- Dean Smith, you 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 appreciate that, in some in some instances, they, that's why they focus on what they can do. They're not so worried about what the opposition are doing. They don't necessarily condition things for that. But but in this instance, I I kind of agree. It was almost like the worst possible game to have started in. Yeah, it really. was. But, it was. But then and, by by that point, you're like, oh well. And I agree that after Bristol City, I was basically thinking he looks like he's ready for a start now. You're like, let's let's let let's see what he can do. And then <laughs> five minutes into the West Brom game, you're like, oh god, this was so the wrong game. <laughs> yeah. But but also but also you should know that right. Like you should know the way that West Brom are going to set up is going to be completely different to the way that Bristol City play. So therefore, you need to have a different approach. And I'm sure that they will have looked at them. But I just kind of think it's slightly odd to go. You got an assist. Well done. Have a start for that. That's that's great work. And uh, uh, Todd, you can come out. I, I I know it's probably more nuanced than at least I bloody well hope it is. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure the kind of rewarding people just because they happen to contribute to a goal is uh, necessarily the way you should go about team selection. We think, I mean, this this filters a little bit into Jacob. Uh, Jacob um, Aaron Ramsey for me. So again, did a piece on Aaron Ramsey in the last week. I give it a read on the Athletic. Uh, I know Villa fans are interested in it. Like you know, he he got an assist from the Bristol City game, which I guess is partly why he kept his place. And then maybe Todd came mm. out as well. Uh, I mean, Dean Smith obviously loves loves AJ as he calls him. I um and you know his output's very good, but then he you know there's and there's lots of good things he is doing. But I'm really struggling with one of Norwich's better attacking players being on loan. I'm, I, I am, you know, a player that Norwich aren't going to sign. You know, I, I'm struggling with that. It's like you've spent four or five years trying to build this team up and all of a sudden we've loaned a guy from Villa uh, who won't be here beyond the guys. And I don't even know if he is really that good, if he is really that influential, but is, you know, he's sort of probably 
one of the livelier forwards at the moment. It's like, oh, I don't know. That's probably harsh. I didn't feel like that with Oliver Skip, which is interesting. I suppose maybe I've been burnt by that, but I'm almost a bit like, I don't want, you know, I, I want Norwich's players to be in that position to look that good. I don't necessarily want to be borrowing them from teams and developing them. So maybe I've gone, you know, I don't know, maybe Billy Gilmore and Oliver Skip have, <laughs> have fried my mind, Jacob, and I, I can't deal with it. But yeah, anyway, carry I on. Think, yeah, I think the uh, thing with, uh, like you're saying, Stephen, in terms of kind of picking the, the right game for, for Asar as well, like how much do you now set him back a little bit? Because he's you now look at him and saying he played so poorly and he looks so far off it. Does he then go, you know, does he him himself almost lose a little bit of that self-confidence I kind of uh, even when even when we first signed him I can't, can't remember you ask or saying that you asked quite a few people where do he play what do he do and you, you got about 50 different <laughs> uh, answers and and you kind of look at that and say you, you, you watch that in the way he plays I still can't really look at him and say right I can see exactly where he fits in exactly why he is where he is I just and that, that will take time I think that price tag again is going to be over his head for a considerable amount of time, like it was with a Christoph Scholles and and everything like that. Um, again, it, it's it's funny, isn't it? I think the fans now now more and more than ever are like right price tag, almost take it personally, like it's from their own kind of of, of wallet or whatever. Um, I think I think especially with Marcelino Nunez, again, I'm going to do it myself here and be hypocritical. Cons- uh, uh, costing so much less and fitting in so much better straight away. Uh, that's always going to, you know, you're always going to kind of compare those two. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm not sure about Gabriel. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one. And the same with with, with Ramsey. It's, he's, he's promising. You can see him in bits and in parts. And if he was ours, oh, wow, amazing. You'd be like, yeah, this is a real talent here. But you do then think, oh, we've got so many other players. He is going to be here for a year, Max. And let's be honest, he's only really here because because Dean Smith likes him. I wouldn't say he was looked at before Dean Smith was here. But even, you know, if it was Stuart Webber, fully led recruitment. I don't think Aaron Ramsey's at the top of that list, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, he's probably the most promising, which again, kind of puts you in a, a spin in the dovetail really, doesn't it? If John Rowe was available, maybe maybe he becomes, you know, that, that kind of player who let's go a little bit more direct because that's probably more of a Dean Smith style, in my opinion. You go a little bit more direct wingers than kind of, you know, Aaron Ramsey, is he on the left coming in or is he central? It's a tricky one. And again, uh, yeah, it's it's just a funny, funny one with Norwich at the minute. There's, there's injuries where you want Isaac Hayden. I see so many people saying Hayden just need that security in front of that defence. That will sort us, and then the midfield will flourish. I mean, that's that's uh, that's a lot of rely, relying on a player who whose knee is clearly uh, not right at all. <laughs> yeah, no pressure, no pressure. Yeah, exactly. um, just on, yeah, uh, thanks for the plug on the Gabriel. So I do a lot of plugging on my pieces. Maybe it's because they're all so good. <laughs> one, but there's a, one of those episodes, isn't it, where Michael's pieces get brought up every 30 seconds. The last you must podca- have written a lot recently. <laughs> the last podcast was as well. But all, all I'm going to say, the, the Gabriel Sarah bit I did, it did strike me that a lot of people saying, I, some people said, I'm not, he's not an obvious one for me to think or for them to think that he'd just come into England and adjust to the rigours of English football. So, I've got all of that stuff swilling through my mind when I see him play because I really, he seems like a great, great kid and it's a wonderful opportunity for him. He's obviously got a bit about him because looking at some of the stuff he did with Sao Paulo was, was a joy. Um, but, you know, it was, you know, some people were sort of questioning that before he arrived here. So we're, I'm, I'm still waiting to see how it all plays out with him, obviously. The, the biggest problem for him, and Jacob mentioned it, is, is that we still have, we, we absolutely need another midfielder to come in. Uh, 
which would be either Hayden or Gibbs when when they're fit because that midfield is totally lacking in balance at the moment. Again, sounds a ridiculous thing to say when we've won six and drawn one of the last seven games, but um, the the midfield is is a real issue and it's missing a defensive midfielder in my opinion, which leaves one fewer space for Sarah. So um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, best of best of luck. He will get more chances, but um, yeah, he, he's got to take them a bit better than he did on Saturday. Uh, Isaac Hayden will be back running, uh, should be in training from next week. So yes. uh, they're going to set up a, a game for him to play in behind closed doors, I would guess. Uh, he has not played any football this year, basically. Uh, and I mean, January when I say that. So um, you're going to be talking weeks, I think, before he's up to speed. So but he's running he's deep he can breath run. everyone but he can run allegedly <laughs> i've not seen it myself down, Isaac, please <laughs> um so we will see um right uh, things we're not going to talk about because we've talked about those things we're not going to talk about quite a lot um sam byram skull obviously uh obviously a bit of, a bit of arm work there it hit his arm didn't it I, I i think it's really obvious it hit his arm because of the way he pulled away from the shot and yeah, his reaction well, tells you all, doesn't it? His his reaction was, "I've definitely not handballed it, but maybe it's in my <laughs> arm and gone in." That you could see in his reaction, it just screamed handball. <laughs> it, it was proper old school stuff as well. Like, so, yeah. and I'm not going to go off on the VAR thing, but just nice. It was just ref goes over to the linesman. Did it hit his arm? Don't really know. Better <laughs> give the goal then. Great. Let's carry on. Goal. Uh, I, just, I, I loved it. The whole game for me it was a total throwback. Actually, like the fact that the football was terrible. Uh, the goals were rubbish. Um, it was like it was like it was two thousand and five or two thousand and six in the championship again, which in a way I quite I quite enjoyed. Yeah, well, I mean Norwich got the benefit of it, but you know, I, yeah, whichever. It was amusing the referee talking to the lines, uh, the assistant, and the assistant just sort of going. I haven't got a clue. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, what he said. I, I, love <laughs> I love it. Um, good. Uh, obviously, the goal Norwich conceded against West Brom was hilarious. Um, it, it wasn't that they didn't know that O'Shea was there. It's that the three defenders were blocked by two West Brom players and then didn't communicate to probably free themselves up before the blocking happened. So, you know, as Steve Bruce told me, they work on blocking runs. They did that. And so it just led to this quite hilarious goal. <laughs> You're like, wow, this is so bad defensively. But West Brom deserves some credit for that. Um, there we go. I actually think Norwich have been okay from set pieces. I know that they've conceded one or two. Um, and I know they haven't really scored from any, but actually I can see them being creative. They just really did get it all all wrong. They've um, they've scored from as many as they've conceded from this season, so they're okay. not they're not doing terribly. Um, on the Steve Bruce thing, that was only the second point that he's taken in the last twenty years at Carry Road. We played oh, nine games, true. lost seven, and taken two points. Um, Michael, you may know the answer. Well, you, both of you may know the answer to this. Can you remember the other point that he got? Um, if I tell Ooh. you that it, that it was another game that also involved, it, from memory, quite a bit of time wasting, which ended up sort of being punished at the end i don't know if that i want to say helps. i want to say i can't remember the game but i'm gonna say it was you will Birmingham. Remember, you will remember the game it was four years ago and it was quite a memorable finish to the game and it finished as a draw oh sheffield wednesday Sheffield wednesday Jacob's oh, got yeah. It. Yeah. yeah 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 well done jacob yes um and he's lost all the rest uh one in the cup i think but in the league he's uh lost seven out of nine good so, old brucey uh, 
Yeah, maybe that's why it felt like a throwback because Bruce, <laughs> Bruce is in the dugout. This is true. He was livid about the handball. Sorry, Sam. Of course he was. For the goal. Um, he also thought it was a stonewall, which I hate as a cliche, penalty, which it really did. wasn't. Uh, yeah. John John, John Swift, you know, the, the, the point was John Swift sort of stopped to then get hit by Grant Hanley. Grant Hanley didn't run into him to push him over because the ball had already gone, so there was no point. So... Um, it would just seem a bit stupid. Uh, I, I thought it was unnecessary and I don't think it was a penalty. I'd, I'd have felt annoyed if that had been given either way. It had been very soft because it was just a bit like, oh, God. And, and of course, but then Grant Hanley goes around falling over to buy free kicks oh, all the time. He did a classic, <laughs> he did an absolute classic Hanley as well as the start of the game on Saturday. Uh, yeah, fantastic stuff. He needs to uh, he needs to give tips to Andrew Omabamadeli though because he tried to do it and it just looked a little too laboured. <laughs> he had to sort of look around keenly at the end going, was that all right? Was that all right? Yeah, I got the free kick. It's like, yeah, um, uh, I uh, don't know. Um, I don't think we've had a single penalty yet, have we? As in at either end of uh, any game, am I right in thinking that? Apart from shootouts, obviously, when there have been quite a lot. <laughs> but uh, I don't think penalty's been awarded that I can Can't, remember. No, not not for us. Definitely Which not. feels weird. We've had so many at Road in recent years. Yeah, and especially it's... championship refs, you know. I know, Michael, you probably don't want to speak about that. <laughs> but the <laughs> consistency is, uh, yeah, I'm surprised there has been no penalties because... Crikey, they're, they're the rest of the, especially Bristol City, I just wanted to fuck that one up. The last 10 minutes, the ref decided that the, the breakaway, uh, the, the, I know the goal was a bit, you know, Max Aaron's getting fouled, but the breakaway at the end where Sarah's kind of played it through and it's like, oh, brilliant, we're going to go get a fourth. And the ref just goes, no, no. no it was the, it was the, they don't normally, they normally only blow up for full time in the start of an attack to avoid that very moment. So generally, you know that it's either a referee who's being particularly pernickety or, you know, just enjoying himself too much or herself too much. So there's something about it for him to have waited for the moment the ball was coming through because he wasn't looking at the watch. He, he wasn't like, you know, it was like. It was like, oh, no, I'm going to play. Sorry. It was just absolutely priceless. And But it was such a foul, by the way, because, again, we had a similar incident um, on Saturday. It was just I, such I, a foul that goal shouldn't have stood. I, I do think, though, that that also seems to me slightly indicative of the current atmosphere at Carrow Road. It's like, <laughs> I can't remember us ever booing. I know the circumstances were the circumstances, but booing I can't remember us ever booing a win, win before. <laughs> yeah. It's like, guys, you do realise we just won, we won the match, right? I well, mean, I have to say... want to see a goal, but So, um... All I was going to say is that, yeah, that, so David Webb went a little bit strange at the end of the Bristol City game, but, you know, it, it happens. There was a shout. Everyone got really annoyed about a, a corner that wasn't given, whereas I could see from the press box it clearly was a goal kick. So I found that quite hilarious. Um, uh, and I thought the referee on Saturday, Mr. Thomas Bramall, um, the only issue was really the time wasting. It didn't really mm. grab a hold of it because he could have been booking people like they have been told to, to clamp down as well so i mean he could have probably had a word he was already having a word with with david button in the first half so to only have one minute you're like oh well we're fine mm. then and then you just wait for the you know the second late second half booking that's no penalty at all so you know that was a bit annoying but it it kind of was what it was i mean championship referees they just have they just have this bit where they look at something along with their officials and their assistants. They look at something and they're like, I don't know what to do. So they just sort of carry on and hope no one notices. That's always my favorite thing. Um, but you know, they're, they're not as good as Premier League officials, but they are still much better than League One and anything above that. So yeah, I think, you know, let's give them credit. 
It's fine. It doesn't matter, really. It's, it's okay. You've, you've I, just described how the refereeing pyramid works there. Yes. Uh, in you know, a nutshell, some people, Michael, they aren't people, as good as Premier League referees, but they are better than League One ones. <laughs> but, all you, but no, but people go, oh, championship referees, they are the worst. It's like, well, no, they're literally not. They're second. They're second. <laughs> yeah. And also, the only one, the only real anger I have, although maybe people correct me from when I've gone off about other things this season, I don't know, but the only real one I have was the tackle on Max Aarons against Wigan because mm. that was just the most abysmal decision um and so there we go but we're not going to talk about referees um in fact my my list is now clear oh apart from tim closer uh who who turned up at the bristol city game um as a bristol city player should be added presumably he was in the squad i assume he was injured um and you know i've never seen an injured player feature so prominently for the entirety he was clapping everyone off the pitch he was there he was smiling at the house he was so happy to be back at carrow road and to make sure that everyone saw him there I love him. He's great. He probably would have done a lap of honour if we'd asked him. <laughs> you know, people have called for it. But I was trying to think, has Tim Close, did Tim Closer ever have a song? Uh, oh, The Nose. Sweet oh, and his diss. That's how it's in diss. Of course yeah. he did. That's true. What, oh, so wait, how yeah, did, how did the song How did the song go? Sorry, I, I can't remember it. He lives near diss. His nose is on the... Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? I don't want to. Yeah, Michael does cut. Michael can't be bothered to do an edit. I can't be bothered to do any editing. No. So yeah, Yeah. something about his nose. Yeah, some of the rhymes with this. His nose isn't quite on the uh, quite accurate. It's it's slightly a miss. Yeah, well, yeah. So, uh, but then again, the supporters didn't bother singing his name. I mean, he was quite clearly there, but also everyone, this probably should have been for earlier. Everyone seems to turn up really late as well. Um, and also on Saturday, why were the floodlights on? Could not understand that. You know, not only the floodlights, the ones that are killing my eyes. Um, I, you know, I, I, from the very first home game that I rocked up at this season, I was like, these floodlights are burning my retinas. I don't understand how, you know, it's the sort of thing where, you know, lots of things in the world, it's only after, you know, a few years or whatever where people go, Oh, actually, no, that is really bad for you. Sorry, we'll sort it out. I'm not convinced these floodlights are good for all our eyes. I, mean, I don't want to cast aspersions, but I feel them burning my eyes. Are you saying this is part of Stuart Webber's long-term plan that the decline <laughs> in quality of football at Carrow Road is going to be <laughs> solved by just blinding everyone so we They'll can't never see know. Anyway. They'll never know. They can't see what they don't know. Yeah, they can't complain about what they don't he see. He needs to be stopped. He needs to be stopped if that is the case. You know, I think this is going, yeah, this is going beyond the pale. Well, careful. I don't know where the lines are between satire yeah. and criticism, so we'll just be careful about that. Um, no, it was definitely satire, by the way. I don't think Stuart <laughs> Whether it's intentionally blinding the city. Well, I'd like <laughs> just, to, just to be clear on that point. I'd like to think he's not listening, and I'd also like to think that people listening to this would sort of go, "Oh, I better tell Stuart Weber about all these things <laughs> that are being said on on the ball podcast," because I would imagine there's far more important things to do. Um, Climbing mountains. <clears throat> yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Preparing for that, and and lots of football work, Jacob. Yes, before yes, you get us sorry. in trouble, <laughs> and they do forward. This on to him. Um, or Neil Adams is a system for that matter. Right. Uh, I think that's all the things we're not going to talk about, which we seem to have talked quite a lot about them. Um, so in that case, uh, I reckon we move on. Half time. It's definitely not half time. Uh, to a bit of Motti. This is almost fantasy football. 
Fantasy football, indeed. We've got an international break coming up, of which we have no interest. Um, uh, sorry about that. Uh, so we won't be on uh, the pod. The pod won't be in existence next week either. We'll be back after the return of championship, which comes in October, when Norwich have got eight games, five of which are away from home. They play at and they go to third place Reading. They go to fourth place Burnley. They go to their current leaders, Sheffield United. They also go to Watford and the relatively short trip of Blackpool, <laughs> um, which is, of course, the first game out of that long run. Uh, it should be added, too. It's just popped up on my phone tonight that Andrew Omabamadele has withdrawn from Ireland duty over the international break, and Grant Hanley, as I very much expected, has withdrawn uh, from Scotland duty. Because Good lads. Has an on- well, uh, Andrew is fine. Uh, I think he, I'm sure he's okay. I don't, I don't actually know why he's pulled out. Um, Grant Hanley I do have more of a worry for because his shoulder is clearly causing him an issue um, and that might be a I don't know how you get that one sorted out because um, you can't kind of avoid uh, especially if you're Grant Hanley getting banged on the shoulder so we shall see um, but obviously wish them all the best uh, how are we feeling about October Jacob? Oh uh, yeah well <laughs> it's that it, that is though I think like Steve was saying really is make or break isn't it about using your cliche I think with on Bamadella they were, the reports were saying a groin strain so fingers crossed that's not that's although not no that's suitable that's suitably niggling yeah that's just fine. having a break yeah <laughs> okay cool because uh, I yeah Dean Smith and Ben Gibson they're I mean just between my eyes and looking at that and saying Ben Gibson will not be playing unless Grant Hanley physically cannot move that shoulder or on Bamadele has no leg. Like it seems like very much, you know, last resort Ben Gibson, we, we've obviously was very poor at the back end of last season, I know, but uh, I still think at this level he could do something with our slow build up from the back. I still really feel like you're missing that natural left footer. But yeah, anyway, back on the actual question. <laughs> I'll tell you, yeah, it's oh, uh, tricky, isn't it? I think it really will show in games in you're not expected to peak yet you don't want to peak you don't want to see your best performances and this league is a, a real drag and can be a slog but the, the this is this is almost your kind of your winter alternative isn't it because obviously this winter is going to be so different this really will be I can remember when we, we went up with all those injuries under Daniel Farker like the Blackburn away one where we win 1-0 and they're just those horrible games that you think oh this is a tricky one that those are the ones where you've got to edge them and Blackpool is a quite a nice start they're, they're in poor form they're not a great team I look forward to that being clipped up and played to me when we lose 2-0. But, uh, but yeah, the other ones are tricky, aren't they? Reading, I think, are in a bit of a false position. Uh, Burnley look look strong. And those away games, I still don't think Norwich is away for. I think we, whilst we've been a, kind of struggling for that that real fluidity at home away is more my concern, where I'm just looking at looking at it and going, oh, look like a little bit of a soft underbelly. And with a, with a, a dodgy championship referee at, at home for... At, uh, and base behind you. I don't. It'll be very interesting to see how shrinking violets Norwich are. Did do well against Sunderland, Birmingham. Are one of the worst teams I've seen for a long time. Should have beaten them or and have. But these ones, a decent team, an away fixture. I think will be a will be fascinating to see how Norwich cope. And I think it will really show if Dean Smith will kind of yeah win over this this fan base this this month. Um, you make some good points there, Jacob. I mean, A, I'm now thinking, God, imagine if Norwich lose at Blackpool and then they have that <laughs> run coming up. And B, they have only played four games away from home. And you, you're right, really. I mean, Cardiff is a game they never should have lost. Hull, I believe they should have already won that game within the first 20 minutes. 
um uh, birmingham i mean what it, it took a sort of a very late intervention and sunderland you know they did have some good chance against sunderland but but equally if a decent home team takes some of those chances then then you're in a difficult position and that's obviously me being incredibly negative there over the course of those four games so um uh, be positive steve um well i mean for starters i think i think we the season that we're having we need this run we need we need a run of tough games you know uh, just just to get people going again um normally you go in with trepidation but ultimately like it, it has just felt like we've eased ourselves in and by the way i think i think we needed that as well the fixtures have really fallen quite kindly because i think we we had to get off to a good start and let's in amongst all the sort of uh slight negativity let's not forget we have actually started quite well yes um, <laughs> better than i was expecting. We, are, we are on two <laughs> no. points a game so we have had that nice easing ourselves in and now it's it's make or break time as, as jacob says um if not for our season, then potentially for Dean Smith. I mean, eight eight games in uh, eight games from now, we'll have played eighteen, so that will be coming up to halfway. Um, and I think, you know, if if things start to go wrong, I think what the last few weeks have told us is the knives will really be out for Smith. So he he needs he needs some good results in that run. There's absolutely no question about it. Um, I do think we'll win against Blackpool. Um, I, I, less confident thereon but you know like i say we haven't seen i think we might have said this before burnley sorry on the last podcast when we thought we were going to play burnley mm-hmm. we haven't seen us play any any of the top teams yet so um you know we don't actually know what they're going to be like away from home against a good championship side sunderland aside and obviously they won that game um so yeah at, at the very least it'll be it'll be interesting it will be really, really interesting. Uh, it's interesting that you talking about the, the situation with Dean Smith because I can see, I can see the fans being really unhappy with him. I don't know if I can see the club acting no. in any way. No. And um, what we kind of learned last year was that actually the atmosphere is maybe more likely for people just to not bother going <laughs> and just then almost to get angry. It'll be really interesting how people would deal with that. Let's hope, obviously. It doesn't happen. And, you know, Norwich win five of them and stay unbeaten forever. Um, the, the, the other point, I suppose, is that, and you touched on this, Jacob, it is almost two seasons with a big gap in the middle this year. It's really, really different. So, um, you know, half the season takes takes place before the World Cup and then the second half is is basically from Christmas onwards. So you could look at this as a kind of like a, you know, a number one run-in really, isn't it? It's like a, a, a run-in going, you know, you're going to play some really difficult games. And um, although eight games is a really long run, isn't it? That is basically half the teams in the division. So it is just, is just crack on and get on with it. Um, but it will be interesting how the sort of momentum uh, either just, happens um, or, or doesn't. One, one thing on that, that, um, myself a friend discovered uh, a week or two ago is with the world cup um if england gets uh win their group and get to the quarter final which the fair chance they might regardless of your thoughts on gareth southgate michael um that's another podcast that's another podcast um <laughs> If that happens, uh, then they will play at uh, on Saturday, the 10th of December at 3pm when Norwich City are away to Swansea. So in that instance, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying this, uh, an England game, an England qu- World Cup quarterfinal would clash with the Norwich City Championship match. Yes, indeed. I think, I think 
Okay, move. I don't know if this is true. Yeah, I think they might move it. Uh, now, whether they would, so I mean, they had a. They, interestingly, some games were kind of moved, weren't they, for England's uh, run to the Euros final uh, for the England's women, the Lionesses. Oh, yeah. So uh, I think in that instance, they they will probably move game move games as they can. Whether it'll be you know either side of the game by hours or just to a slightly different game i don't know but i guess they're probably gonna to have to wait and they've probably got plans in place for that i'm envisaging what that does for supporters booking all their travel and what have you i don't know because they're probably not a consideration because that does tend to be the case so um swansea away is a decent so is that our longest away trip this season it probably is isn't it uh that's a good question yeah probably yeah i think you might be right so um yes we shall have to see. I don't know the answer. <laughs> I maybe don't take my word on it, but I would probably um, utilise some caution in terms of booking your travel and tickets if you were planning to go to those games around when England might also be playing. Um, Good consumer yeah. advice there. As, as always, it's what we're all about. Um, I think that's all I've got. Um, well, obviously, we'll really look forward to the games and we'll be back at the other side of the Blackpool game. I remember going to the to a Blackpool League Cup game in the late 90s. We drove all the way there. It was a midweek EFL Cup, like first round or whatever game. Um, we were all in there waiting for kickoff. All the players had warmed up. And then there was an electrical storm. And they said, no, sorry, game's not going to happen tonight because mm. there's electrics and we might all die. So um, you'll have to go home. And <laughs> so we went to the Pleasure Beach. and we ended I was going to say, did you go to the Pleasure Beach? Yeah, we went to the Pleasure Beach. I don't think much was, I can't remember. It was a few illuminations. I mean, it was like October and it, was, it wasn't a mm. great night, but it was all right. Maybe it was so like so they weren't affected by the electrical storm then, the illuminations? No, exactly. Um, so we, stayed, we ended up, because we were going to go back that night, we, we ended up getting back later than we would have done if we'd have stayed for the football. So we had even more fun than we would have had. Uh, I couldn't go to the rearranged game and I think Norwich won it 5-0. So there we go. What a perfect what a ending to that, <laughs> yeah, to that ending. story. I'm sure this trip to Blackpool will be just as fulfilling. Uh, fortunately, it's... A Saturday, as a, you you know, everyone knows you can't have electrical storms on a Saturday afternoon. Will you will you be going to Pleasure Beach again? Though that's the question that we're all wondering. Because if that was better than the game, then you know maybe you should recreate that trip and just skip. I know because you're working, I forgot that. I will have like, I will literally have your job now. <laughs> some work to do. Um, I think it's unlikely, but uh, maybe if I turn up early enough, I can get a, a wedge of candy floss, yeah. and then I'll take a picture of me with the candy floss. Should I make that a thing or an ice cream? More of an ice cream fan. Okay. I mean, needed. just for the good luck, just for, you know, it makes you feel like if you miss out, we lose, then you might be the, the go-to to be blamed, really. That's yeah. true, actually. I might just you know, peg it to the to the Pleasure Beach afterwards anyway. Right. Um, anyway, I, th- I feel like we're, we're drifting now. So um, <laughs> unless anyone has uh, Kenny other business. Nope. No Kenny from me tonight. No, um, we won't talk about his myth. I did like his tweet. Yeah. Appreciation of his 150 appearances and saying maybe that was his worst in Norwich. Which, by the way, it wasn't. I thought Kenny was okay. They were yeah, far, you've they you've worse done much days. worse than that, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't quite how I was catching it. But on that note, uh, that is it for another On The Ball Norwich City podcast. Uh, if you're yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player. And we will return to streaming the recording of the podcast live in video form following the game at Blackpool 
on my social media channels. So have a search. I'm sure you'll find them. Ratings and reviews are always uh, appreciated wherever prompted. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, just leave me a direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey is the handle. As for this evening, a big thank you to our guests tonight. Jacob, thank you so much for joining us. We'll do it again, please. Yep, yep. We'll be more than happy to. Hopefully be a little bit more positive about the style of play and maybe even have uh, the same run again uh, next time on. But yeah, absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's the way. That's the way, Jacob. Too true. Steve, thank you as always. Cheers, Michael. Enjoy that ice cream. <laughs> yes, all candy floss. We'll do. Uh, we'll be back uh, a week on Monday. That's what I've written here. We'll be back a week on Monday for another edition of On the Ball. Until then, never mind the danger. And there's nothing. Can you leave that in? It was still no. live. It was still <laughs> Please can you leave that in at the end?